This is Roads, Rails, and Rides, a video series on the transit tech and trends that move us. Here's your host, Jeb Morris. Good morning. Welcome to a new episode of Roads, Rails, and Rides. I'm your host, Jeb Morris. This is the show where we cover topics concerning commuter transit and the various modes and technology used to get there. Today, our guest is Dustin Bort. He is the Senior Vice President for Downtown Dallas, Inc., and he is over planning and urban development, urban, uh, sorry. Close enough. Yes. Uh, planning and public space. Planning and public space, yes. Thank you. So, um, Dustin, as I've told you uh, previously, uh, the show Roads, Rails, and Rides is designed to be a comprehensive look at the manners with which commuter transit occurs. Uh, pedestrians getting from point A to point B, and specifically roads would address both automotive transportation owner uh, or lease vehicles as well as rideshare. Mm-hmm. And then, so we want to discuss what is Dallas doing currently? What do we have in place as far as uh, lanes or uh, what are we looking at in the future plans uh, with regards to freeways or HOV lanes, things like that, that facilitate moving pedestrians in and out of downtown uh, with easier uh, uh, entry and egress, I guess, if you yeah. will. Well, so I think historically as Dallas has been built, Jeb, I think uh, we focused or the region really focused on getting people in and out of here as quick as possible. And when I say in and out of here, I really mean long distances or longer distances than you would generally walk. So we were traditionally, at least when we look in the core of downtown within the inner freeway loop, um, we were a business environment. And so the focus then was how do I get people in at, uh, you know, before work, And then how do I get them out after work? And so therefore, we ended up with a lot of roadway networks down here that had direct freeway access, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, But really, I would argue the only mode that was um, planned for during those times, and generally the 60s to the uh, 90s, 2000s, to some degree even, uh, were single occupancy vehicles. And so how do I get from a house to my office and then back in the uh, most uh, efficient manner possible in my private automobile? And I think... Uh, That's created some inherent challenges uh, as we have um, redeveloped downtown, as we've brought people down here to live, uh, hotels, uh, visitors, things of that nature. They don't necessarily, uh, their focus isn't always on their single occupancy vehicle. And so uh, that's really been um, a challenge in many regards. How do we begin to rebalance the transportation system in the roadway network? It eats up a tremendous amount of real estate. Uh, and is a huge asset, but we have to plan for that and develop around it. And then with the freeway infrastructure, that's really a regional uh, asset, and so uh, we want to make sure that that regional asset is used to its fullest extent, but doesn't have negative impacts on the surrounding communities. Okay, that makes uh, very good sense. And to your uh, point about the the freeway access, and so downtown is uh, designated by the freeways Mm -hmm. that surround its core area. And so I know there's been some talk about moving 75, 45, that exchange. So, and you mentioned that that's regional, and that makes perfect sense because we want those people that are a drivable commute, but uh, when they arrive, it's far enough that they want to stay at our hotels and they want to uh, patronize our establishments and stuff like that. So is there, 
a plan in the not too distant future to do that or is that something where the relocation of that freeway to kind of open up that and make more walkable space between what is downtown and say currently the Deep Ellum neighborhood? Is that something that is going to happen or is that something that has just been tossed around as an idea? Well, I think it's been an idea that's been tossed around for quite some time. Uh, my organization, the organization I work for, Downtown Dallas Inc., uh, has, has been a player within those conversations. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of merit to the idea. Uh, I think there are some inherent challenges and, and answers that need to be looked at from a technical and engineering perspective. Uh, we have been very much in favor of saying uh, whatever happens with that roadway, that's probably not the highest and best use of that land. Um, or, and it does create both a psychological and a physical barrier between right. two very important neighborhoods, uh, uh, Deep Ellum and downtown, and especially the east side of downtown right now that's seeing tremendous development in the east quarter uh, and some new parks, uh, other things like that. So we think it's very important. Currently, uh, TxDOT is working on about a two-year project uh, to evaluate alternatives and options for, the, for that stretch of uh, 345 connecting 45 to 75. Uh, and so um, our hope is in the future, it doesn't look like it looks today, right. uh, whether that's uh, totally gone away and we, we focus on surface streets to move that uh, local traffic and try to peel the regional uh, traffic uh, to another corridor to be determined. And I think that um, conceptually we've seen a lot of other, or we've, we've seen that work in other markets okay. uh, in taking a freeway down. Um, but you've just got to kind of balance that and see. And so I think that, that our big push, again, is um, regional transportation is very important. Uh, getting here is very important. Uh, and we understand that we're kind of the nexus of that transportation system. We're talking about vehicular uh, means right now. But when we look at rail, when we look at other transportation and a lot of other infrastructure things, downtown is the heart of that. And so how are those things done in the least disruptive manner? Or how can we... Um, redesign them to respond to changing dynamics of a neighborhood. Okay, and then now, and, and you said redesign, and you mentioned rail, and uh, so that's the next, uh, by virtue of the name, the <laughs> there we go. Conversation, <laughs> and so, and I know that rail is instrumental to Dallas's history, and it's uh, one of my passions. I love the train, uh, and I love the story of how the railroads arrived here in Dallas in 1872, which is what we were talking about, where 345 is currently, and then of course in 1873 when the Texas and Pacific arrived, which is basically the line that runs through our downtown mm -hmm. currently uh, for the light rail. And so uh, what are we seeing? Uh, it, it, in my eyes, it, we're seeing like a shift back towards rail. I'll call this rail, then we were dominated by the automobile from the 1930s onward, and especially, as you mentioned, in the 60s and the 70s when we saw a lot of suburban expansion creating these, this larger regional uh, demographic, but still wanting to be able to facilitate getting them in and out. And so as someone who uses the Dallas area rapid transit on a daily basis, and as someone who uh, is an advocate for rail, uh, I applaud uh, Dallas's efforts and what's going on. Uh, what, to what extent do you all uh, play a role in that development? I mean, y'all work directly with DART and right. with the city, and uh, is there uh, something new that's coming up, D2, or anything that you can kind of elaborate on? Sure, so I think rail is a very important, as we look at all of the kind of options to help with uh, commuting and connecting people. I think uh, rail is a very important piece of that. Uh, we have uh, the light rail system here uh, that, that DART has developed with uh, a lot of the, the other cities in the region that plays a really important uh, part of that. And DDI has always been a huge uh, supporter of that and helped on the planning uh, phases of that. Uh, you mentioned D2, which is the uh, second 
uh, alignment of light rail through downtown. So that'll uh, be a subway condition as it goes through the heart of downtown Dallas. Um, and that will take two of the existing lines off of the current alignment and put them in a subway. So a couple things there. One is it allows DART to run a whole lot more trains because uh, through the current transit mall, they're really almost at capacity or will be relatively soon when we look at a, a horizon of what it would take to build a subway. So that's a really important thing. Also, it gives a redundancy system. So if there is an emergency or a fire or a car accident on the, on the existing light rail um, through downtown, it shuts the entire system down. And that's really unfortunate uh, and not a good way to, to move forward and have consistency and reliable transportation. So we've been working really hard on D2. Uh, we think the subway and the way that it interacts from a pedestrian portal standpoint at each one of these stations is extremely important. The experience of getting down into the subway platform and out and onto the street is vital to the success of the system. And then also, how do you go underground? So we call those the train portals. So you have two train portals on each end of downtown. Uh, one roughly kind of Perot West End area, okay. yep. uh, right over here at Woodall Rogers. And we're working uh, with a private property owner who's working on a development that hopefully uh, will incorporate the D2 portal into their development. So it kind of just goes away. It doesn't become a scar on the urban environment uh, because if it's not uh, designed appropriately, uh, there can be a lot of unintended consequences with those train portals because they're long, they're deep, you can't go over them in many areas. Uh, and then a lot of work continues on the east side, again, with the train portal. And we, we discussed uh, 345 earlier. Um, we as an organization have said, uh, anything that DART does can't preclude any other options of 345. So that's really important. We don't want to uh, plan a train uh, portal through that area assuming that we have an overhead freeway and then in five or six years or next year decide we want to take the freeway down and we can't because we didn't uh, allow for flexibility within that. And so that's really important. So a little work continues there on the east end of downtown. But we're very excited by uh, uh, D2. Uh, we hope it becomes a, a a funded project through uh, FTA. Uh, DART has committed to use local dollars uh, in their financing structures if that doesn't happen. But it's always nice when a grant comes through to accelerate yeah. timelines, I yeah. think. Yeah, I know, I know that money's kind of the hardest to wait for. You know, you touched on uh, uh, having a, a private developer uh, on the uh, Woodall Rogers mm -hmm. end of the D2. So is that something where for you all, would that introduce some sort of like public-private partnership where they get involved with the entrance because it's part of their establishment? And does that introduce an opportunity for, you know, I guess private funds or more um, input on how the appearance uh, of the entry in the exit would be? Are those things that, where they, they, they have some say-so in the, that involvement? I think so. You know, this will be, uh, I haven't worked on a, a private developer and a train portal yet okay. uh, locally uh, to, to, to point to an example of what's been done okay. previously. Mockingbird Station um, kind of had a lot of that, I think, at least from a conceptual standpoint with this developer and, and what we've seen kind of out there is, is a real focus on, I think, what you're getting to, Jeb, which was, uh, how do I begin to go over that portal? How do I begin to dress it up a little bit? And how do I make connections uh, in and around that portal? And in some cases, that may be along the portal to get from downtown into Victory. Uh, that may be to go over to get from this uh, develop new development to the existing West End. And so I think a lot of that's to be determined still. I don't think we've seen hard drawings, but absolutely. I think 
uh, all conversations we've had with both Dart, uh, the developer in question, which is uh, uh, Woods Capital and Kaizen, um, and then also the city of Dallas has been uh, really uh, open arms and wanting to collaborate and wanting to create something uh, I would say is, is relatively special, especially in this market. Um, so I think that there's a lot of potential there. Um, and also uh, with the developer, uh, if they're doing a lot of office and residential, they'll be right adjacent to the new station at the Perot Museum. So they also have an incentive to get this right uh, as well because it's seen as an asset to um, folks, whether that's a residential tower, but especially an office tower in downtown. We see a lot of interest in trying to be close to the light rail system or plan future developments in partnership or, or get relatively uh, within walking distance of stations. Absolutely. And a, another future development that's of particular interest to me is a, a high-speed train, mm -hmm. high-speed rail from Dallas to Houston. Now then, I've read some things and that seems to be indicating that we are moving closer and closer to that being uh, a reality. Uh, how close are we to that being realized and what can you elaborate on uh, that, if any? So everything we hear from high-speed rail is that it's, it's all systems go still. Um, I think we'll continue to see some announcements, uh, hopefully. Um, early part of the, I mean, I still say early part of this year, let's say um, before the, uh, in the next two to three months, um, that hopefully we'll begin to allow them for uh, property acquisition along the corridor. Okay. Um, I know that's been a big focus of theirs. And they've had some, some good announcements on um, partners and some additional investment. Our focus here uh, as it relates to downtown and, and the station has really been how do we connect. And so, right. you know, that's a, a constant theme I feel like uh, with all these I ideas is we can have a great asset and we can, we can do all this amazing things at the station and the station will be, uh, just to give everybody an idea, uh, really on the south side of Interstate 30, kind of over by Alamo Draft House and south side of Lamar. Uh, in the Cedars neighborhood. And so how do we begin to have this nexus of transportation over there connecting uh, these giant economies in 90 minutes? Uh, how do we begin to take uh, those riders and get them and circulate them back into downtown or uptown or Deep Ellum or Southern yes. Dallas, you know? And so that's a really big thing because I don't want somebody necessarily to have to rely on getting a car once they get here. Well, right? To your point, I mean, those are two major economies, and, and if you can get all those people moved in 90 minutes as soon as they arrive, to your point, I mean, there's going to be an enormous amount of congestion if we don't have some deliberate and effective means of moving them about. Right. Yeah. And that's an ultimate challenge, and I think that's really been a lot of our focus has been, um, again, how does this uh, really cool piece of technology and infrastructure uh, and uh, a great solve for some ch transportation challenges, and that's even on a larger than a regional scale, right? Con connecting Houston and Dallas. Um, it's great for the economy, it's great for uh, real estate development on both ends of the station, and potentially even in the Bryan College Station area where you'll have another stop. Even in Fort Worth? Yeah. With the connection from the TRE? And uh, Fort Worth is also looking with a uh, council of governments on uh, longer range plans, I believe, and it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but. Um, looking to do additional connections from high-speed rail on uh, west to Arlington, Fort Worth, and points further. And so I think that's really important. So our focus as an organization and with the city has been how do you get people over Interstate 30? Uh, how do you get them uh, into downtown once I arrive at a great, beautiful station? Sure, I can get over here, 
then what do I do? And so I think that's the ultimate challenge. Or if I, if I live here in Dallas and maybe I live in Plano and I want to get to high-speed rail to go to Houston for the day for a business trip or personal or whatever the case may be, how am I getting to that station? You know, with the number of riders and I, couldn't, I can't remember off the top of my head what that ridership forecast is on a daily basis. Um, but if we don't have good transportation to that system, um, we're going to end up with a lot of parking spaces and yeah. a lot of parking garages. And yeah. we as an organization understand that. I, I understand that parking garages are very important, but at the same time, there's a lot of other uses we could do if we can yes. reduce the number of uh, parking spaces required um, for that facility. And so I think that's a really important piece that we have to continue to focus on. Okay. And then uh, the third segment of uh, rides. So specifically, uh, I know <clears throat> um, a bike share program yeah. was something of particular interest for DDI at some point. And then we actually had a local bike company uh, with the GPS locks, um, V-Bike mm -hmm. uh, from Massimo out of Garland. Uh, and they kind of started. And then uh, we all remember uh, bike again. Uh, the, the, yeah, the, the bikes everywhere. And now we've got these scooters. And then now we've got this variety of scooters, both the kickstyle scooters and then the sit-down scooters. Mm -hmm. And so how has all of that unfolding impacted what you guys do with regards to planning because that seems like it's unfolding faster than any sort of plan can be derived. Uh, I would agree. Um, so it's interesting we actually have a long-range strategic plan for downtown called the, the Dow, uh, downtown 360 plan um, that we were uh, it was adopted by city council in 2011 we started an update process in 2015 and then readopted by council uh, in 2017 and so um, in the update, which is a very long update process, but a lot of public input, the biggest thing we heard was uh, in and around the themes of transportation, uh, especially district connectivity. So you've got all these, these high uh, uh, activity areas, Deep Ellum, Uptown, Downtown, Southside, uh, West Allis, uh, Trinity Groves, but it's challenging to get, if you don't want to get in a vehicle, it's challenging to get and circulate in between those pieces. Right. and so. Um, for, for many years, I believe it was about five years, um, we saw bike share, traditional bike share, uh, as a great opportunity. We were one of the uh, largest cities in the country that did not have a bike share system. And DDI, we worked uh, very hard, very hard to, to raise the funds for that and do a lot of financial modeling. And people constantly told us, Dallas is not ready for that. Uh, there's not enough infrastructure and the climate's terrible. Well, then the private market, as you mentioned, kind of came in and out of nowhere, we went from zero bikes to thousands of bikes overnight. Yes. So how did we, how do you begin to kind of balance that out? And what we saw was uh, those bikes kind of evaporated again. And that wasn't a Dallas, uh, a problem right. with Dallas. That was a problem in the market. It was global. It was global. Absolutely. I mean, they're just those images of, of yellow OFO bikes being melted down the all over the world. Yeah. The piles of them were astounding. Um, but what it did was it began to change the conversation, and I think it did have a really positive impact. Uh, we saw a lot of rides through the bike share uh, program, and we also were able to collect some data. And so the city yes. has data. So we were able to see where do people want to go to and from. And part of the 360 plan laid out, and you mentioned earlier, roadway and lane capacity. We had done a lot of traffic modeling in and around downtown to say we could we could take out a, a lane of vehicular traffic on these corridors and uh, reallocate that space to other modes of transportation, whether that be now <laughs> scooter, bike, or whatever's next. And so we try to be uh, very 
um, nimble in transportation planning uh, and also what we do on the ground to allow for that. Uh, I think, uh, as you mentioned with scooters, we've seen the technology itself even change. We've seen the format of scooters change. Uh, we see in other markets, uh, other um, kind of walk up and pay as you go mobility solutions, including small mopeds. And we have not seen the mopeds here. Uh, but again, these private companies are using technology uh, to solve, to get people from point A to point B uh, in a manner whether it's too far to walk or whether it's just more fun to ride a scooter, and the scooters are fun. Um, so we're, um, we're actually uh, taking to council a new updated scooter ordinance and regulations that will be briefed to the uh, what formerly was called the Transportation Committee of Council uh, on Wednesday. So we've been uh, working very closely with staff and all of the operators on that. But we really do see the scooters as a viable means of transportation down here. Uh, you got to have the density. And I think from, from the city's standpoint, the city has to invest in infrastructure. So, you know, people complain they're on the sidewalks. Well, they're on the sidewalks because the roads aren't safe for them. Right. So we've got to be able to create some spaces that uh, work for uh, other modes, whatever that other mode may look like, and be able to adapt to those. You're, you know, you're, you're absolutely right because they're great mitigators of congestion. I mean, when it's not 13 people all riding <laughs> side by side, uh, because you do, you take out a single occupancy vehicle, you know, is just too much yeah. car, and, and that creates more of a burden uh, when you've got, you know, thousands of people by themselves in cars as opposed to being able to use those other. So, one last thing. Um, Uber uh, came, mm -hmm. uh, they established their HQ2 here in Dallas, and they're uh, experimenting with these uh, flying modes of transportation. I don't want to call them flying cars, right. but not necessarily helicopters either. And uh, is that something that Dallas might be looking at as far as would there be some level of experimentation or development uh, that might occur here that you know of? I know there have been conversations about that. Um, we have not been um, a part of that okay. extensively. Um, I think we look where we've been working with Uber as it relates to their second headquarters has really some exciting stuff to me around uh, pedestrian and infrastructure enhancements in and around their campus and again going back to connections. Uh, there have been conversations I know but um, nothing that, that we've been really a big part of with the Uber Elevates or with the flying um, uh, vehicles, vertical takeoff and landing yeah. uh, craft I guess is, is kind of what you would call it. Um, we do have, Dallas does have a Verta port uh, in yeah. downtown Dallas, uh, right behind the convention center. So okay. exactly um, where that is. it would be my understanding, uh, again, way out of my wheelhouse, that uh, that Verta port, um, it was designed and built for that, I think in the early 90s, um, could, be, could be utilized for testing or even uh, long-term operations. And it's conveniently uh, located right next to the high-speed grid. That's, that's very, uh, very true. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I think it's an exciting time in the transportation world. Uh, I think we will continue to see um, technology evolve. And I think to your point on Uber, you know, that's a technology company really um, that has turned into a transportation company or maybe vice versa. Right. But it really has changed the way that people circulate and their expectations of what Absolutely. transportation providers should do. And I think one, one thing DART, our local transit authority here, gets beat up sometimes in the press. Uh, but they really have embraced some partnerships with, uh, with Uber and Lyft and a few other, um, you know, kind of newer technology type things to try to see how you integrate public transportation with point-to-point -point or rides on demand or whatever the nomenclature is with that. And I think that's really important 
Uh, but Uber and Lyft have really changed how people move around down here. And again, Absolutely. I think the expectation of the customer uh, not to have always a fixed route, uh, but sometimes to be able to get from point A to point B. Now, now that may be, I ride, if I got to go to point A, B, and C, I may car from A to B and walk from B to C or scooter from B to C, whatever the case may be. And so I think, again, that helps us distribute the, the load through different modes of transportation, uh, which is really important. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, it's been another episode of Roads, Rails, and Rides. My guest was Dustin Bullard, again, Senior Vice President of Planning in Public Spaces for Downtown Dallas, Inc. I want to thank you for your time, Dustin. Absolutely, Jeff. Very informative. Uh, I really appreciate this. And uh, until next time, we'll see you again on Roads, Rails, and Rides. <laughs>